0: Welcome to the Fitness Nerds Podcast. This is co-host Ryan Smith with Coach Stephanie Holbrook, where we get a chance to geek out on all things fitness. Hey, and welcome back to the Fitness Nerds Podcast, and this is co-host Ryan Smith, and we've got another special interview today, and got a really, really cool interview, and talking about heart rate variability, and... um, lots of lots of cool recovery tools so today i have jim galanis Can i pronounce that right jim yep absolutely all right good job. <laughs> and uh jim has quite the athletic background but uh to kind of just touch base on it he's got a couple of uh national championships as well as he is a three-time olympian and three-time olympic coach correct that's correct all right so um coming from the ski world but uh he has a coaching program he does a lot with heart rate variability so uh based on some of the other hrv stuff we did i wanted to have jim on the podcast today so welcome to the podcast
1: thanks very much appreciate being on it and i really have have enjoyed your uh your podcast that i've gotten
0: to see oh great well thank you um so let's go into a little bit about your background so this is uh this is quite the career as far as an athlete you got uh spend a lot of time in the uh in the realms of competing and coaching right
1: yeah I, you know that's that's occupied my life for the better part of the last 30 or 40 years um, uh, i grew up in southern vermont and, and which had a strong history in cross-country skiing, and um, fortunately had some really great coaches at the time through the 70s and 80s. And uh, I competed for about 12 years on the uh, kind of the World Cup and the Olympic level for cross-country skiing for the U.S. ski team and um, <clears throat> skiing on the World Cup circuit, which is the the high level, the highest level of cross-country skiing in the world. So. Wow. It was kind of the first period in 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 our sports history of um, actually having a program that that could compete with the Europeans on on fairly equal footing, wow. and that's, the program is is reaching the same or higher levels now. Right. Uh, you know, some twenty years later. Right. And I also during that time, I I trained at a very high level in cycling and course did a lot of running and running races and mm-hmm. um, competing in those sports as well
0: okay so a lot of a uh, lot of the cross training uh, during the time whenever you weren't skiing huh a lot of
1: a lot of a uh, lot of cross training a lot mostly specific training but as mm-hmm. certainly as i got older i i had to make a choice between uh do i want to try to compete as, as a cyclist or, or a skier and um you have to emphasize one and de-emphasize the other as you get higher up the uh, the, the ladder of performance. To, right. Uh, keep squeezing out <clears throat> some games, but I've already always enjoyed enjoyed running and cycling, and they're um, now an integral part of what I do for
0: mm-hmm. for
1: training to keep it fun and interesting.
0: Right. So, uh, so looking back over this uh, career of coaching and competing. How would you say things have changed from, you know, in the 70s whenever you were competing from a training perspective, from a, uh, and then through the coaching perspective to what we have today as far as with athletes? And it doesn't matter the sport, but kind of would you, how would you compare the two?
1: Um, I think the level of sophistication and understanding of of both physiology and, understanding the demands of the particular endurance sport have, have changed a lot. Um, I don't think the physical training, I mean I think human physiology hasn't morphed to a great degree that, that's required um, big changes in, 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 in the implementation of training or the, the kind of the theory behind it but it's it's driven fine-tuning I think and a, a broader understanding of uh, strength development, for example, um, and I think strength and, and endurance training is still widely misunderstood and, mm-hmm. and not effectively implemented. Um, I think the training, the training loads with with better nutrition and and, and athletes that are actually paid or making a living. Um, at a sport that they have that recovery time. They're, they're paid to be professional athletes, so they, right. they train that three, four, or five hours a day, but they, they, have, they don't have much in the way of other life responsibilities that get in the way of that recovery process, which, which we all know is where the gains in training are made in right. work periods.
0: Exactly, yeah. That, uh- so they've been
1: able to increase their training loads. Back when I was training, the way I trained I think was a self-limiter a little bit um, because I didn't have the understanding and, and and the confidence perhaps to train correctly. But I, I think the, the the loads that people are able to do now are, are a bit higher. I could only manage the way we counted training and, and and cross-country skiing was in hours a year. I could train effectively at about 800 hours a year if I tried to push more than that. Uh, it was just too much for me based on how I implemented If I'd improved my implementation, which right. athletes are doing now, making sure the easy days are in fact easy and the hard days are hard, that, 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 that rugged paradigm for endurance training, that I think a lot of athletes missed the boat on. I certainly missed the boat on it. Right. Know now in hindsight that that was the single biggest problem I encountered as an endurance athlete, and it's one that as a coach I tried to to manage for my athletes.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah. and and I can definitely see that as somebody because I have uh, with a, having a master's in exercise physiology and really starting on the undergraduate programs in the late. 80s, you know, just seeing what I see as a change and what came out of the research and everything in the 80s and early 90s when I started working on my master's degree, and the early days of heart rate, you know, heart rate monitors and all of that is, you know, so misunderstood back then, and starting to kind of bring the science to it. And what we have available today is just huge as far as you know, the to know an individual athlete versus training every athlete the same way, right? Right. Yeah.
1: It's, I mean, you can have, I mean, a lot of coaches, I think get, uh, and I, I certainly had this in my experience where I've run uh, large development programs, um, kind of a club-based system is coaches get challenged to, well, if I, you know, if I get down to that level of individuality that, that, mm-hmm. that the science is suggesting we need to have. Then I can't run a team practice. Right. Um, my my argument is, of course you can. Mm-hmm. You just have to take those few extra minutes, and and you know within one workout you might have a third of your group doing implementing the workout one way, another third another way, and another third another way. Right. That's based on their individual needs for that workout or that day
2: right yeah it takes a little bit more management but in the long
1: run of, of athlete development i think that's probably the most crucial thing is you can't just jam everyone into the same filter and expect it right to benefit everyone equally it just won't
0: yeah i completely concur with that yeah you know seeing seeing that as we were talking about earlier just when we were talking just you know from these cross-country high school programs or just you know so many coaches it's everybody gets that same program so dealing in the the running in the triathlon industry like I do uh, as well as just even just individual life coaching and health coaching that that I know we both kind of deal with as well that you know everybody gets the same instead of individualizing and it's oh well i'm doing it this way because that's the way it's always been done yeah and you know and we're in a we're in a state a time now where we can look at so much more and it's just going to get continue to get better as time goes on but it's uh big changes
1: yeah i think all the technology we have now you know i think you know even if you're just looking at a simple heart rate monitor with a gps function so Mm -hmm. now you can all of a sudden look at your heart rates during a workout and speed mm-hmm. and even though that technology's been around what for a decade or more oh yeah uh, I, I don't see a lot of, of you know whether it's cyclists or that, that become kind of myopically focused on watts or, or mm-hmm. runners on pace mm-hmm. um, for their training sessions I, I'm, I'm sort of surprised that they don't step back and go, okay, so I'm, I'm pushing this kid to run mm. his training at 630 a mile pace. Okay, but what is the load of that? What is the physiological response to that? Is that load actually appropriate, or is that based on, you know, a lot of what I read is, is okay, we, have, we want this kid to be able to run a goal pace of XYZ, six months down the road, right. so we're going to have them running at this pace now. Right. Without any consideration of what the physiological loading of that is. Right. It may be way over what the athlete is ready to handle, it may be way under. Right. You don't, you don't have any way of knowing without a, without a more sophisticated level of, uh, of understanding.
0: Absolutely, and that's uh, that's where some of the new technology, and that's where we're gonna talk about the, the First Beat system that you utilize for heart rate variability and, uh, and recovery and training as far as to determine those training loads. So uh, First Beat is a system you said you've been kind of dealing with and handling for about seven or eight years, but really have it really implemented seriously with all your clients and stuff the last several years, you said, right?
1: Yeah, I've, I've, I've used it exclusively the last two years. I I started testing the system. You know, I, I, I guess,
2: <clears throat>
1: being a coach and an athlete for so many years, I'm always a little bit skeptical of, of emerging mm-hmm. things and I, I want to make sure they're tested and they actually do work as advertised. Right. And because First Beat was so new, so different than, than what other um you know what the historical training monitoring systems had really been that i just wanted to make sure it worked and, sure. and it provided the data that that i felt we needed to, to provide to make it really valuable mm-hmm. and
0: and the other side
1: of that equation is it took time for me to understand the system at a level where i could explain it to an athlete and honestly it took a lot more time to start to to kind of break down the the cultural barriers of looking at training in a different way
0: right yeah yeah it's it's definitely you know again getting you know us as coaches we have to again look at that stuff what do we what can we do to make our athletes better but then also what are we are we just you know buying something because it's the newest technology that's out there? And you know, it's spending that time looking at, at all the research and looking at, at the devices are those you know are they actually working? Or are they going to provide us with the information we need, right?
1: Yeah, and it's, I mean, you've got a, be- a better background in exercise physiology than I do, and I, I've, I've studied with some, some really great people, and I've read a lot, so I, I, I feel like I'm pretty well versed in it. But- you know how bogged down one can get in studying all the right. all the research, but I I spent hundreds and hundreds of hours reading research on heart rate variability and training monitoring and overtraining and the different scenarios. Um, you know, back when I was an athlete, we had a medical team that that was monitoring our cortisol and testosterone for overtraining. A pretty invasive way of going about it, and right. the problem with it is, by the time something showed up in, in, in testosterone and cortisol to tell you you were overtrained, you were already weeks overtrained. Right. And so there's there's been this quest in the scientific community to identify some type of markers. You know, we've gone through orthostatic heart rate tests, morning heart rates, mm-hmm. and all these things have, have proven to be. Kind of less than adequate, right? Um, so it's it's taken a lot of years of research, and, and this heart rate variability aspect started to emerge. Uh, that's been studied for a, a kind of a general health and medical use for 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 many years. I don't know, maybe it's forty or fifty years. Right. So it's it's not a new. It's not a new approach to looking at kind of general health and wellness. Mm -hmm. It's really well-established, but it's a relatively new approach to looking at at, at training status and recovery status.
0: Right. Yeah. So let's get into a little bit about this First Beat system that you use. So um, give me a little bit of background on that. Tell me, you know, what it is, how it uses, how you utilize it, the software, you know, um, and how somebody would be able to utilize this from a coaching perspective, but also as an individual.
1: Okay, uh, first, first, first Beat is developed. It's, it's, uh, system for recovery is, is based on heart rate variability. Um, and that's, that's, for me as a coach, that's kind of the cornerstone of the program, uh, measuring recovery. Uh, the other aspect of the program um, is how do you monitor your training. First mm-hmm. uh, Beat uh, has I believe scientifically validated uh, physiological functions of O2 consumption during a workout, ventilation, respiration, um, and, and EPOC which is excess post oxygen consumption. Mm-hmm. Which is which is I think a pretty valid way for looking at the physiological stress or the loading pattern provided from the workout. So that's kind of the heart of of how I use the system. Looking at training time, uh, the epoch loads mm-hmm. of the workout and recovery. Okay. There's other aspects to the program. I mean you can if you're using a GPS-enabled uh, um, watch, mm-hmm. heart monitor, you can look at the distance. You can look at the elevation profile, which, in, which in cross-country skiing is critical. We have our our a typical 10K course might have 400 meters of of climb during the race, and some climbs as high as 100 meters all at once. So some pretty substantial climbing. So right. we have to we have to understand that component of, of training for that specific sport. So looking at that, some of that data is also beneficial. Um, but basically the software is Windows compatible. Okay. Uh, it's not, it's not available at this point in time for, for Macs, hmm. Apple machines. Um, and I'm not sure if, if, if that's a goal of the company or not. Right. <clears throat> But it's, it's, it's a fairly simple, you set up a user profile within the, within the software which you can, you can establish your training zones that you want to look at that they allow for up to five training zones which are pretty, pretty common in the endurance sports, right. uh, maximal heart rate, weight, height, um, if you don't know your maximal heart rate the software kind of calculates that based on heart rate data and heart rate variability data. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the the more precise your personal profile information, um, the better better data output you get from it. Sure. Uh, The other unique thing about the suite of software is they have a testing module. Um, Because they've successfully modeled uh, human physiology based on heart rate and heart rate variability and respiration, um, they can calculate things like epoch and O2 consumption um, to a high degree of accuracy. And for those of us that have done a lot of lab testing over the years, mm-hmm. we know there's a tremendous amount of variation from lab to lab and, and even within a lab based on how all their uh, how the test is implemented and 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 how the the equipment is calibrated, you can get widely varying numbers on things like max VO2 Mm -hmm. or lactate or any of these other variables that are traditionally monitored. So you can do a ramp protocol, max VO2 test on a a treadmill. You can do a a bike power test. and, and, And first beat calculates max VO2 within I think a pretty tight area of tolerance. It's okay. not. It's not great. It's not going to replace a lab test. Right. But for for you know the mass market of athletes that are looking to understand a little bit more about their training, it gets you fairly close to what your max VO2 might be.
2: Right. Okay.
1: Um, so that that's kind of an overview of of the total package, but I, for for me as a coach and for athletes out there, I think the, the two things are, are quantifying the training load mm-hmm. and comparing that and contrasting that to your recovery. Okay. And I, I think what it does is it, it enables the coach to see in relatively short order mm-hmm. what the best loading patterns are. How many days can you go easy, medium, hard, however you want to structure your training and Recover. Okay. How long, coming into a to a, a, a important event, do you need to taper and rest so that your recovery is optimal? Mm-hmm. And, and those types of scenarios it takes a little bit of understanding of the system, but it doesn't take long to start to see these trends and patterns emerging. If 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 an athlete really does the uh, the resting heart rate. Or the,
0: the overnight heart rate recovery test. Okay, yeah. So let's let's talk about that then, as far as the way that you're going to monitor it. So you mentioned the overnight heart rate for heart rate variability, as well as then just the the resting heart rate, which I guess would be more of the morning heart rate, which is a lot of the listeners are going to be familiar with because we use that with the Sweet Beat system, where it's it's easy for them to put on a heart rate monitor and monitor it, you know, for three to five minutes first thing in the morning versus the more quantified overnight heart rate variability that that you're kind of talking about right
1: right you know and i i first beat has included a quick recovery test in their software and that is really designed more for team sports they have a lot of soccer uh professional and amateur soccer teams using the system Uh, A lot of hockey teams using the system, and it's the the quick recovery test, they they couch it as a screening test.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's an easy
1: way with the First Beat Sports Team software. You can have, I can't remember, 25, 30 athletes lie down Mm -hmm. in the training room before they go out and do a five-minute quick recovery test, and the coach can see all the recovery tests on one screen and look at, do a quick report in five minutes and see the recovery status of all those athletes. The limitations of the quick test is is implementation. You've got to do things in a very systematic and similar way, or I should say a precise way every time or else the data is going to vary. The problem with the short test is some some of the measures or the, aspects of heart rate variability, the high frequency signal, the low frequency signal. It takes four to five minutes of good data to be able to come up with a number that
2: that mm-hmm.
1: is valid. So things like respiration, mental activation, right. diet, all these things can impact that, that short test of heart rate variability. So first beats Really, I think the, the the kind of the Cadillac of recovery is the overnight test, because when you're sleeping, you don't have quite so many variables in the heart rate heart rate variability analysis to worry about. Your body's asleep, right, and and your mental activation and your your activity level has less impact on on the heart rate variability then
0: right um. yeah you get you get somebody with that with a that five minute you know uh, recovery heart rate of first thing in the morning or something like that and if they're sitting there and they're they're doing that and they're laying there and they're surfing their, on their phone or they're thinking about all the things that they've got to do today that's obviously going to affect their nervous system as well and and the recovery and what's going on in their heart rate and heart rate variability because if they've got, if they're thinking about things that they've got to do, that's going to be a stressor on their nervous system at that time. You're not going to get a, a true reading.
1: Yeah, it it. So many things impact heart rate variability. As soon as you get up in the morning, go to the bathroom, or mm-hmm. do whatever, put on your heart rate monitor, and you've 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 triggered some level of parasympathetic response. Right. So it's, it's going to take a little while of lying down, being really relaxed, being kind of Blank in the mind. Right. And, and it, it I think they're great tests still. But it, right. I think the approach to look at those from from at least my perspective and using first speed is that's a screening tool. If you see a decline in mm-hmm. you know, quick recovery test, you probably ought to have a background of the, the overnight test. The mm-hmm. overnight test for first speed is really simple. they they've got this simple little data collector that collects data for up to seven days hard to imagine going to a little right. a little circular device that's mm-hmm. probably about an inch inch and a half in diameter okay. you hook it up with two disposable electro, uh
0: the, the leads, wherever, the patches yeah,
1: the little patches mm-hmm. and EKG leads and it records the data and you just simply download it into the computer and the computer uses uh, RMSSD and heart rate variability, to kind of to look at the, to, to crunch the data. It also can, looks at the low frequency and high frequencies. The low frequency being a indicator of parasympathetic response, and the high frequency, or the low frequency, is a sympathetic response, right. and the high frequency is a parasympathetic. So it's, it's a very sophisticated analysis tool. And, um, what FirstBeat does is it records four hours of data during the night. So as opposed to five minutes, mm-hmm. you've got four hours to to look at data and to learn what the best, basically it calls out the best data within that four hours. Okay. Um, and gives you an index based on the RMSSD uh, algorithm. Of heart rate variability. Okay, and it's it's all graphically displayed. It's it's really uh, it's for a coach. It's really easy to look at. You've got a screen that shows you the recovery tests and the training workouts that have been around, and it looks much like a spreadsheet with mm-hmm. data on it. And the, the bottom half of the screen is is graphics of that same the same data, so you can look at an overnight recovery test for a four hour period and see red bars which indicate stress reactions and blue bars which indicate kind of the, the parasympathetic response or recovery act, reaction and it, it's it's really easy to see how athletes deal with stress. The other part of the, the great part of this system is you can have an athlete wear this all day mm-hmm. And you can look at what are they doing during the day that's either enhancing or detrimental to their recovery. Okay. And we've learned by looking at lots and lots of this data over the years is, you know, particularly for for kind of weekend warrior type athletes that have a nine-to-five job or Mm -hmm. a full life of family and, and other responsibilities is... You can, you can help coach them. What we've seen through this data is we all have stress in life. That's part of life. It's part of what makes us better, whether it's professionally as right. in our careers or or, or or as athletes. You need stress, but you need recovery. And what we see is you can start to learn how nutrition and how your, your daily life impacts your ability to recover. For example, somebody that has just stress reactions all day long, Mm -hmm. when they go to bed at night and we put this monitor on, we can see that those long days of stress, even though the physical load may have been not that great in terms of their training, Mm -hmm. delays the recovery response or the the, the parasympathetic response, which which supports good recovery in the evening. Right. Where people can can program in, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, once or twice a day, where they relax, unwind, and get into that parasympathetic response, their recovery at night is better. Okay. So you can start to see, you know, in terms of uh, common, a common, uh, Buzzwords out there for the last 10 years or so is the 24 hour athlete if you're at a really high level. And that, mm-hmm. the implication of that is recovery is important. What are you doing in those 20, 18, right. 21 hours a day that you're not training to promote recovery? Right. And this is a great tool for illustrating whether you're really accomplishing those goals. You know, what's the effect of going to altitude of travel? of all these things that athletes have to do and this gives you objective data to see and, and measure the, the effects of those things on your, on your body's recovery.
0: Hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of one of the things that I kind of heard out of there as well is not just athletes then, so what I would consider a uh, you know just a lifestyle person or somebody who needs help rebalancing stress or what's going on and how to handle what is their nutrition, what is their personal kryptonite, so to speak, of their daily daily life, that we can kind of start looking at that information as well, not just as an athlete.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is probably the biggest the biggest health and wellness benefit of this. We've got a software package that we haven't discussed yet called Lifestyle Assessment which is geared strictly at that. We, we provide an assessment, mm-hmm. we have people wear this bodyguard unit and collect data for three days, uh, up to five days and we look at things like their, their daily stress in life, the level of exercise they do, the quality of their sleep and recovery, um, their recovery index and basically, come up with a, 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 a simple three or four-page report that tells them, "Hey, how balanced are you between stress, recovery, and healthy exercise?" Mm-hmm. It, it's it's really an amazing tool, and it's it's getting quite a lot of traction in the Scandinavian countries and in, and in England. Uh, a lot of service providers doing this service, and and. You, we've discussed heart rate variability, but it is a really based on all the research I've read and the reports. And it, when you go to a doctor, you typically get if they want to check your health and wellness, they do a do a, a some type of blood workout, right, or an EKG, or you know some other some other medical procedure, which is tremendously expensive. But the research is really clear. Heart rate variability gives you a very quick and mm-hmm. easy picture of your general health and how balanced your stress and recovery are. We all know many many illnesses and diseases are caused by stress right. and, and the more balanced we are in terms of our stress and recovery responses, the better our health and wellness is.
0: Absolutely. So an
1: awesome tool for that.
0: Yep and and i i've used some things so that was one of the things that kind of whenever we were we started talking originally as far as before having you on the podcast was because i actually have that executive coaching lifestyle coaching type of program that i that i do with clients and we've and i use some of the other heart rate variability tools and i've used uh you know tracking as far as mental tracking as far as how do you feel and uh other indicators from you know Urine color and such things like that for people, but then also, um, you know, trying to look at, at this data and how are they handling stress from a daily basis and how do you create a plan for them. So, that was one of those other things whenever I saw that this is a program that could, I could potentially use as well with, with those types of clients that are trying to regain balance in their life and how can they perform better. So you know some people are would be down here and they're just trying to get back to a level and then other people that are already high performing people in their careers and they want to take it to the next level how do they do that and how do you manage that so this is this is a pretty cool tool for that
1: it's it's an awesome tool and you know it's it's a surprising tool. Um, I've done some lifestyle assessments on some some you know forty I'd say forty 45 years old and older professionals that that are you know semi-serious master athletes and they have really stressful jobs and I go wow this is going to be an interesting three-day assessment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have all kinds of ammunition to come back and really really help these, these, these high achieving professionals do even better mm-hmm. in finding balance and sometimes you see what you expect lots right. of stress Right. No recovery, late nights, but pretty often I'm surprised. Those people that are high achievers we, we, and, and have, have figured out the, the balance between kind of life responsibilities with their family and jobs and their own health and wellness and training,
2: right. I've seen some remarkable. And it's, a,
1: it's, it's, not, it's not a waste of, of, of resource to do the test on them, because it helps them confirm that, hey, I'm on the right track. Right. But some of these people, um, when we do these analysis on them, they, they're awesome. They, they manage the stress in their life to the mm-hmm. point where they're where they're getting these great recovery reactions during the workday when other people, myself included, are just off the charts in terms of stress. Right. And I've, I've done this the analysis on myself during some of my work days, and it's just 7:30 in the morning till 7:30 at night when mm-hmm. I'm flat out busy. It's all stress reaction. Yep. And what I find is, even though it may not be the best thing for overnight recovery, if I go out and do a workout,
2: mm-hmm. it right
1: it, it, it supports getting back into that parasympathetic recovery mode. Mm-hmm much quicker in the night. If I miss a workout or go for two or three days without an exercise session, um, my stress levels don't come down as quickly at night. So, again, the body just begins to get out of balance.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, Well, that's great. So, I mean, so we've got multiple things. So, I guess, as an individual but also then as a coach, this has different aspects of it from – I mean, I guess you could use it as a, as a life coach slash health coach person, right? Some, somebody who's yeah. coaching there, obviously, as an athletic performance, but then also somebody who just wants to manage their own life themselves. I guess there's different aspects of the program that they can utilize that as well, right?
1: Right. So we, we have kind of two primary suites of the software, one for the individual that, that, that wants to coach themselves, Mm-hmm. and wants to understand their own performance a little bit better. Um, and, and that's our least expensive way for somebody to get into it. They just need uh, a compatible heart rate monitor. And if they want to do the overnight recovery test, you can use your heart rate monitor. But the problem with having a strap around your chest at night is you might lose right. lose contact and... Right. and uh, Loose data and, right. and that makes the test less reliable, or you can use the simple bodyguard mm-hmm. uh, which is a really comfortable device. It's a little I mean getting used to having the electrodes on overnight takes a little bit of right a little bit of time, but if you use quality, I, I typically uh, provide my clients with high quality EKG electrodes just because they're a lot more comfortable and
0: right okay.
1: It's worth. It's worth a little extra investment. Right. I mean, you get them quite cheap if you want. Right.
0: Yeah. So. So that's kind of the individual. That's somebody who wants to quantify themselves, whether it be from an athletic performance or from a personal health performance. You've got that suite. You said, and then you said, there's also then the coaching, right?
1: Yeah. The the, more the for for coaches like you and I, were are going to coach. Mm-hmm. A lot of athletes and there's a team program where you can have unlimited number of athletes and if you're in a team sport and you want to look at say your soccer team or your hockey team or and see how how they're doing I mean you know in different positions and say soccer people are getting different levels of, of, of a workout during a, a, mm-hmm. a training or a practice session so you can begin to understand if, if those people are training the way you really want them to do to perform, but then you can also look at the team as a whole. How is our whole concept of training working for the whole team? How are How is our team recovering?
2: Mm-hmm. For endurance
1: athletes, it's re- it's really quite quite the same, but um, we don't generally run comparisons between right. different athletes because any any coach that's that really understands training and and the individual response knows we can only look at one athlete. It's a great way to collect, I've got two and three years of of nightly recovery data, overnight heart rate tests on some athletes and their training loads and you can really start to um, understand at, at a very high and sophisticated level, the loading patterns, the recovery required um, to most successfully train that individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so that That's the way I've, I've been using it in my business and, okay. and the, the way we kind of market the, the product to different right different levels. For, okay. for team sports, it's really cool, or for, say, a health club that wanted to get into this and mm-hmm. do spin classes, um, there's a live component to this where you can use a simple, if you're in a, if you're in a health club, you can plug a simple USB uh, receiver into your computer and you can collect live real-time data on epoch, heart rate, ventilation, okay. respiration and show it on a big screen. Mm-hmm. If, are these people reaching their training effect that's desired for the workout or right. are they, they going too hard or too easy? It, it's it has so it has a real lifetime uh component to it and there's another called a team receiver like if you're a, a track coach mm-hmm. you hook up this simple team receiver and have up to 25 athletes using coded uh, heart rate belts during a soccer training or uh, a track workout and you can track somebody's interval workouts on the on the 400-meter track, live and in real time, okay. to make sure we're getting the desired workout. So there's there's some add-on components that 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 uh, you know for team sports or, or uh, sports like track and field, where where people are training in a confined space, that you can add on to the system.
0: Right. Well cool. Well that's great. So if people want to try to get some more information from you on it, you know, get get in touch with you from a coaching perspective. Uh, you know, as other coaches or individuals want to get more information on the first beat system, how do they get in touch with you?
1: Well, you can always email me at firstbeat at jimgalanis.com. dot com.
0: Okay. And so we'll can put-
1: use that ever functional tool called Google and yeah. and and come up to my website or, uh, email me directly.
0: Okay. And we'll put that in the show notes as well so that people can, uh, can contact you as well. So they've got information and can see how, uh, how things go from a, uh, you know, and talk to you about that coaching program and and types of things as well.
1: Thank you. Appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. So, uh, Obviously, with uh, coming up here on time, we've been on uh, about 45 minutes or so. So we're going to kind of end it for there for today. So, Jim, I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, You know, it's been great to have somebody who has the wealth of experience and wealth of knowledge that you've had, especially dealing with this and knowing how coaching has changed over the the last several decades. Um, And really appreciate that. Um, and with that, uh, obviously, people can go over to iTunes. They can like us on iTunes and uh, subscribe to us there. Leave us a comment. Uh, let us know what you like, what you don't like, so we can update that on the Fitness Nerds. Uh, go to Facebook.com slash Fitness Nerds Podcast or our website, FitnessNerdsPodcast.com, and let us know what you'd like to hear. So with that, I definitely appreciate it. So and uh I will talk to you soon.